Hi guys, Paul from the innovation community here. Today, I'm with Laurent Boutra, AI director at Schlumberger. Uh, having been with the company since 1997, he has a, a wealth of insight into their journey uh, from both a data and a people perspective and is now focusing on aligning the organization with a successful innovation mindset. Great to have you with us. Thank you, Paul. Just tell us a bit about yourself in a few words, a short introduction to who you are and what you do. Yeah, okay. So uh, you said I joined uh, Schlumberger in 90, uh, 1997. Actually, uh, I did uh, an engineering school in applied mathematics uh, in, uh, in France. And uh, after that uh, studies, I went uh, to work for Schlumberger. And over 23 years now, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, discover different places. I traveled the world. Uh, I studied in Paris, uh, but I went uh, in New York for a couple of years. I went to Australia uh, in Perth uh, for about uh, three and a half years. I went to Houston, uh, Texas, uh, and lived there for five years. And uh, then I, I worked uh, in San Francisco in the Silicon Valley for two years. So I came back uh, to Paris about a year and a half ago. And I created the uh, artificial intelligence lab uh, in one of our center in France. So that's a, a short, uh, a short summary of my career uh, in Schlumberger, uh, mainly within the IT professional world. So uh, all the the supports, the infrastructure, the servers, data centers, and so forth. Brilliant. And it sounds like you've been pretty well traveled. Where's your uh, your favorite place that you've lived in? Perth, Australia. <laughs> I wish I could stay. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, you can't really beat that kind of weather. <laughs> uh, the weather is great. The um, the wildlife is awesome. Uh, people are really, really nice. Uh, it's kind of a dream place, I would say. <laughs> Brilliant. And where did your career start in terms of working with data? So actually, uh, it started really when, um, when I was in San Francisco in the Silicon Valley trying to find uh, some uh, innovation uh, for IT and uh, discovering uh, different uh, aspects where we could uh, leverage the uh, large amount of data that we had. So machine learning was uh, one of the first uh, area I started and, and worked on. Uh, simple stuff like classifiers of tickets for service desk and, and things like that. Um, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not a data scientist per se. Uh, I do manage uh, data scientists. Uh, I, love, um, I love doing that. Uh, it's a great uh, field and, uh, and we can do a lot of things uh, with, uh, with the data. We, in the team, we have uh, 17 people. Uh, mainly masters, postdocs, uh, PhDs, and professionals in, in data science. So I'm leveraging uh, their knowledge and skill sets uh, to uh, solve the uh, business problems that we have. And there is a quote that I like from a Rolnad course uh, that is, um, if you torture the data long enough, it will confess to anything. So it's kind of the... <laughs> Uh, the domain of, uh, of data science. You really have to prune them and, and, uh, and clean the data and, and really work on it, explore it uh, before you can do anything with it.
Mm. Absolutely. That's some uh, sound advice there. What really interests you about working in this space then? Uh, trying to find uh, different ways to solve the problem. Um, we, if we look at the industry, uh, physics uh, is really uh, what we uh, feed on and, and we are trying to, uh, to get that uh, solved through the physics. But uh, sometimes computation uh, will, uh, will take a long time uh, on these uh, equations so we can't inverse them uh, easily. So looking at the data sets, looking at the history, trying to um, get shorter routes uh, based on statistics uh, is, uh, is an interesting uh, aspect of the domain uh, that we are working on at the moment. Mm. Look, you've had a, a pretty seasoned career with Schlumberger in, uh, in, a, in a wide range of countries and working in different cultures as well. What are some mm-hmm. of the major successes you have achieved over your career? So one of the things that I was the, maybe the most proud of is in 2007, uh, I received a CIO award uh, for that product that I developed, uh, which uh, is basically Dropbox before Dropbox. Uh, that was uh, a project that I uh, took on just to uh, simplify the life of uh, employees to transfer files in the company. I wrote that in Perl uh got it uh, very simple and efficient and basically by just spreading like a virus uh 40,000 people used it in less than 3 months and it lived in the uh, in the company for more than 8 years uh when i look at uh, dropbox when they founded when they had the idea it was pretty much uh the same year or the year after that they went public so Kind of, uh, yeah, I could have made a product of that. <laughs> so I was, I was really happy uh, that it served uh, internally and uh, it, uh, it was really useful for a lot of uh, people. One thing that I, uh, I strive, one of, of the signature line that, uh, that I have is basically make it simple and initiating purposeful impacts. So really uh, to the bare bone feature of the uh, of the product uh, what uh, is the function that the user really want to use and concentrate on that and do that extremely well so that was the uh, the purpose of that um, of that application that i developed uh, very similar to dropbox uh, what we we call that drop file internally but um, uh, that was uh, one of the success uh, that i really like to uh, to mention and what year did you develop that uh, 2007. So how do you think so, your life would be different now if you had, you know, let's say gone down the Dropbox route? Um, you know, where do you think you'd be now? Uh, very good question. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, maybe working on, uh, on other projects that uh, I have uh, deep in my heart. Uh, it's uh, one of the... Um, uh, side project that I'm working on at the moment, which is a search and rescue uh, for um, in the mountains. So basically um, avalanche uh, type of uh, search and rescue, uh, trying to align different vertical from hacking to uh, autonomous drones and so forth. Uh, see if I can actually uh, put together uh, four verticals to solve the problem. 
uh, and be able to uh, dispatch uh, search and rescue ahead of um, professionals. Wow, that's, that's so, super interesting. Is that just a lot yeah. of back-end coding or is there more to it than that? So uh, one thing that uh, I really like when you, you think about innovation, um, innovation is really an aspect of cutting the problems in small pieces and trying to solve these small pieces one after, one after another one and uh, opening your mind uh, outside of the uh, current time zone right now at this point uh, idea and see, okay, uh, can I solve that in the past? Can I solve that in the future? Can I solve that into the subsystem or super systems? Uh, and basically that the uh, nine box thinking and you take that uh, and you use alternate or side businesses, uh, side verticals domains and try to combine them. And by combining that on the small elements, you may actually uh, lead the path to a solution that is innovative. And for example, on the search and rescue, uh, the, the question is, okay, let's say you have an avalanche, uh, you have someone that is caught into the avalanche, uh, the alarm has been raised, uh, the search and rescue team is getting onto the location. So that takes some time to get there. And then after, uh, either you have the uh, special beacon uh, that you carried with you because you know that you were doing a uh, risky activity, uh, but most of the time you don't have that. You, you were not really prepared as a, as a skier or snowboarder uh, to be uh, with these uh, search and rescue systems or devices. So what happened is that the specialist goes on the, on the spot and they basically uh, go through the entire avalanche and try to poke uh, and feel uh, if someone has been uh, buried. So think about uh, hacking. Um, in the hacker world, uh, we love wireless. And you can actually uh, spot a Bluetooth device or you can intercept a cell phone signal. Uh, so the, the FBI does that really great with a Stingray. Uh, you have um, the um, Blue Hydra. Uh, which is another systems for the Bluetooth, and you could trilateralize tri uh, the position of someone or a device. So imagine that now, okay, can I bring that ahead of the um, search and rescue? And the ne next vertical is drones. So you have the autonomous flying systems, and you can uh, send a pre-recorded route uh, on these devices. So imagine that you could send that drone ahead of the search rescue, that you have these hacking devices mounted on it that will pinpoint electronic devices. Now, okay, is it feasible? Can you go with precision and so forth and try to say, go left, go right? What is the strength of my signals? Now I'm on the maximum signal strength. I may be at the vertical of a device. Okay, you take another vertical. I'm ahead of the securist there. I'm ahead of the people that are going to come to site. So can I leave something behind that drone that will help someone to say, oh, that's the spot I need to search first. So now you take the robotics domain. Can I 
make a robotic uh, accessory on that drone to drop something, uh, fumes or uh, ribbon or whatever, that would mark the spot and then go to the next one. So they are already doing some stuff uh, at uh, seashores or on the, on the beach. Uh, you start to have drones that would carry a life jacket and they would drop the life jacket to uh, the person that is behind the uh, crushing waves, for example, mm. uh, to help. But it's trying to put these different uh, pieces and mount them together to have at the end a solution which is uh, answering a specific need, this time uh, basically going ahead of uh, the, um, uh, the intervention, uh, getting some minutes, crucial minutes, to say, okay, search first there because there is a li higher likelihood to find someone. There is a device emitting a signal uh, that is in that area. Mm. That's uh, that's super interesting. And that's uh, you mentioned there's a lot of different verticals that go into that. How do you align yes. the, your priorities when you're spearheading change? What's the, the way that you would approach a, a mammoth task like that? So I, I really like um, a person they call Mr. Pareto, uh, the, the 2080 rules. Um, and, and that is um, trying to find what are the vital tasks that will bring the most results. So usually you say that 20% uh, of your efforts uh, gives you 80% of the results. Uh, you, you have also another one that says 20% uh, of your customers create 80% of your workload or nightmares. Uh, so Tim Ferriss uh, has a very good book, uh, The Four Hour Workweek, uh, on that topic. Uh, so trying to find, okay, where should I spend my efforts? And what are, in that case, the technology bricks that I need to break uh, in order uh, to solve the, uh, the problem? So here, if I don't have the detection, I no need to go into the drones and, and the other solutions to, to bring that. So uh, the first thing that uh, I'm validating at the moment is, can I reproduce on, a, let's say, Raspberry Pi, so a small device light that could be mounted on the drone, uh, can I reproduce the detection of Bluetooth waves and, uh, and cell phone signals? Can I actually hack a signal, um, uh, cell phone signal and therefore uh, obtain the strength of the emission of the device that is somewhere? So that's, that's the first piece. If I solve that, if I get that uh, in a product like then uh, I can think about the transport, I can think about the marking, I can think about the autonomous mission to basically send uh, a pre-recorded mission on that um, valet, okay, from, this, from the town uh, down at the bottom. Can I send uh, my drone uh, two or three kilometers uh, uphill? And this is usually the portion of the mountain that has avalanches, so I will pre-record maybe a route to go and uh, basically uh, scan the entire uh, space. Mm. So that's, that's how uh, trying to get this, uh, the, the Pareto uh, portion, where should I spend my efforts now uh, to de-risk uh, and to find some solutions uh, to the problem mm. or to these small problems.
Yeah, so that's 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 a uh, that's pretty interesting because if if twenty percent of the the effort gets eighty percent of the results, is there is do you think there's a way that technology can help with the the smaller percentage? You know, taking some of those menial tasks off. I mean, I guess another way to phrase it is how are you currently leveraging technology to your advantage? Um, what I would say is uh, that twenty percent technology or no technology, the first part is to find the priorities, to decide what is really important and what is not. Uh, because you will be tempted to go to the easy tasks, uh, but they may not bring a lot of value. So uh, I have a, a story that I, I like to, to tell. You can find that on the internet on, on many, many different um, formats. So the story is like that. Uh, it's a time management uh, course at the university, eight in the morning. And uh, you have all the students outside of the classroom or even uh, already seated into the classroom waiting for the professor. And uh, 10 past eight, the professor is still not there. So big noise into the room. The kids are going to say, oh yeah, uh, 8.15, I can leave. That's the uh, legal time. I can." Uh, skip class and unfortunately the teacher arrives at uh, 14 past eight no words goes to the desk and uh, of course the students are not really happy um, they sit down they start to listen and uh, the teacher teacher goes under the desk and take a bucket an empty bucket say no words goes down into the under the desk take a big bag of rocks and throw the rocks into the bucket and speaks for the first time to the class, say, okay, is my bucket full? Of course, uh, the, the immediate reaction from the students is, yeah, it's full of rocks. Okay, fine. So the teacher goes under the desk, pull another bag of gravel and start to pour the gravel into the bucket up to the top. So the teacher asks again the, the students, is my bucket full this time? Students learn pretty fast. So, of course, they say, no, no, it's not full. You can take some sand and pour the sand to the bucket. So the teacher says, great, goes under the desk, pull a bag of sand, start to pour the uh, sand into the bucket up to the top. Ask again, is my bucket full? Students are very, very smart. They say, no, no, you can put some liquid. Let's add some water. Teacher says, awesome goes onto the desk, take uh, uh, some water, where, um, pour the water into the bucket up to the surface, and now it's really, really full. Ask again the question, is it full? So, okay, we may have some chemists into the room. They may say you can still put some salt. It's going to dissolve without increasing the volume. Anyway, it's pretty full. Teacher says, okay, so why? Why am I doing that today on that time management uh, class and the students start to scratch their heads and, and say ah I know I know I know my agenda can be really really full I can always find some space to put more meetings and the teacher says yes but if I ask you to put the big rocks at the end can you basically if you start by the water the sand the gravel you don't have the room to put the same numbers of big rocks. So that is basically saying, 
define your priorities, define your priorities first and start by the big ones. Then you will still be able to do other things, place other smaller goals. But if you don't start with these big goals, you're not going to achieve anything. And uh, on these projects, I tend to uh, do the same thing. Okay, I, I have my bucket list, I have my uh, to-do list, and every morning I will reorganize uh, the to-dos that I want to do and uh, find the ones that, that have the most impact, uh, that are the most important, and I will start by these. Um, it helps a lot because um, when you do, or when you complete one of these tasks, first you had an impact, then you are happy to strike uh, to do, that means you are moving forward, and it keeps uh, things organized. So uh, that's, and when, when you were asking about technology, uh, you don't need technology for, mm -hmm. to do that. Uh, technology is just an accessory. And what a lot of um, people get fooled with is, oh, I have a problem. Let's find a technology to solve it. Let's find a tool to solve it. And they usually purchase a tool and never use it or never get all the full benefit because they haven't thought about, okay, what do I need to do? Hmm. Can I rephrase my problem? Can I rephrase uh, the, the way I'm going to solve it? Can I cut it in smaller pieces? What are the 20% efforts that I need to put to get 80% of the results? And at that point, ask, okay, do I really need to get from 80 to 99 or 98%? Or could I use the time that I've left to take another big task that has the right um, the, the, the right priority and spend that ex extra piece of time to get another 80% on another big task. Mm. So that's, that's how uh, I tend to, uh, to manage different projects and I tend to, to manage the different things that I do. And uh, yes, we have a to-do list uh, for the family. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I think, I think that's a, a good habit to have, to be fair. And I think that's also a really great story. It had all the elements of, uh, you know, breaking the equilibrium. Why did the guy come in late? Like, I just didn't understand that part. Why he came in at 8.14. Just part of the story. Uh, it, it, look, I was hooked. I was hooked the whole time, so that's no problem. <laughs> Maybe he was uh, doing something something very important for the first ten minutes, and uh, it did not matter to arrive at eight fourteen. The message was still mm. passed at eight twenty five. Or he was a bad teacher, and he did a, he did one of his smaller tasks before coming to class, which was more important. <laughs> Maybe I hope not, because if he teaches that type of uh, <laughs> yeah, school uh, isn't cheap. Type of, uh, yeah. <laughs> I will ask him next time. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So yeah, that you, you mentioned a lot about the, the side projects you're working on. One question mm -hmm. I did have, uh, tell me about a time that you affected change in a major organization like Schlumberger or, or, or elsewhere. And some of the challenges that came with that, maybe that Dropbox example, Dropbox example. A uh, couple of changing changes or impact that I may have brought um one of the change uh was a big project uh that it took me about two years to convince uh management to go for it which was a central software licenses management 
for the entire company. So the company is 110,000 um, employees worldwide. Um, and uh, I was at that time in charge of all the desktops uh, in the company with the team. And we said, okay, fine, we, uh, we control um, the um, deployments, installation software and so forth. But uh, let's uh, improve the way we manage and distribute licenses uh, inside the company. So that was a big change. Uh, we, uh, we finally implemented it and it was a large success. So uh, that was one of the change uh, where uh, we had to do a lot of convincing to actually get it through. Um, the impact um, or the other type of projects where I, I tend to try to impact, and again, it's uh, going back to the make it simple and, and trying to initiate this purposeful, purposeful impact. Um, I started about 14 years ago, uh, a newsletter uh, that I write every other week. Uh, we did, uh, we published, so it's translated in Russian, in um, Spanish and Chinese, and uh, I do it in English. Um, and uh, I did 450 issues of these, and it's uh, simply bringing facts and tricks uh, about IT and our environment, the tools that we use, uh, how uh, we can uh, make people more productive, and uh, most importantly, um, uh, enjoying uh, the tools and environment that they are using because they use it better. Uh, so that's, uh, that's something that uh, I hope uh, I did bring an impact and it's uh, bringing digital uh, to basically all, all people um, in, the, in the company. Mm. That's brilliant. It sounds like that you have a lot of ideas and a lot of uh, ways and processes to do that. How do you communicate and engage both your team and also the senior leadership as well with these ideas and with these processes? Uh, first one being honest. Uh, so being honest on, on what I do, um, stop the bullshitting. So uh, if you bring that trust, if you, uh, if you are um, consistent in it, in what you do and what you say, um, that uh, that really helps uh, in the communication. Uh, the, the trust is is really uh, the most important, and and then you can play with um, positive reinforcement. Uh, the success stories that uh, that you come up with, um, communicate about them. Uh, that's that's really. Uh, something that uh, that can build, uh, I would say, your reputation or, or build uh, on on the good things that that you do. So that that would be uh, uh, my um, my suggestions. Another thing that I try to do uh, with teams that I have is, uh, uh, of course, uh, reward success, uh, but also celebrate failures uh, because. Uh, you need to move forward and and if there is something that i really hate is inaction so the last point is punishing action uh trying to um uh, you need to evolve you need to um uh, 
to move forward. So uh, these these three pieces, so reward success, celebrate failures, and punish in action, uh, usually helps to uh, uh, to survive and, and and move on and and improve things where it matters. Yeah. So that's uh, the type of things that I do with communi with communication and management. That that's key, and and I think I don't know if you ever watched Band of Brothers. Um, there's this the scene where the guy is just kind of frozen, uh, hasn't made a decision. I think that a bad decision is better than no decision, um, especially in the I, exactly. world we live in. Yeah, it's it's really okay. What information do I have today? Uh, what uh, actions can I take today? And with this amount of information, and yes, you may fish for more data, but you will get into the paralysis of analysis at one point. So it's it's a question of Okay, again, priorities and, and defining that 20%. What is necessary to make that decision and to actually act on it? And, uh, and that, is, that is a challenge. Uh, it's not easy, uh, but it's better to, uh, to move on and say, okay, we decide to do that because of that, 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 and that. And at the time, that was the best information that I had and move on. And okay, maybe six months down the road, context change, things change. Okay, let's reassess. At that time, we had that, 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 and that. Now we have that, 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 and that. Here's the decision that we take. Okay, it's maybe a little bit different than what we did earlier, but it is the uh, it is maybe the best route. It's uh, kind of like a human feedback today. loop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now. Where do you see the biggest opportunity for improvement within your own organization right now? So uh, one thing that, uh, that I like to uh, mention is the uh, perspective and, and uh, resetting some of the expectation. So if I draw on a, on a paper, uh, something like, uh, you know, and you don't know, in terms of domains uh, and problems that are simple and complex. So I did a little bit of drawing. So that's uh, that one. So let's say this is a known area. So you know how to validate uh, your results. You know how to uh, explain what's going on. On the far right, uh, I don't really know. It's magical. It's something that, okay, uh, it's a dream. Uh, state. And then I have uh, my problems that are simple and my problems that are complex. Often what you see in uh, PowerPoint presentation and so forth, when we talk about artificial intelligence, for example, we have it on the, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. It's really complex. That's the self-driving car level five. Uh, AI will do it for me. And uh, it usually works the first time you present that. Everybody's happy. Oh, yeah, it's going to save the world. AI is going to save the world. And uh, then you get into the disappointment uh, because the expectation compared to the reality is not there. And where in the case of AI, where AI lives, it's more into the known space because I can validate. I can... Um, and, uh, I can uh, prove that uh, the decision that was uh, suggested by the AI system uh, is the right one. And it's very simple. And if it's repetitive, that's mm. where you win. 
So if you get there, what happened is that, again, to my Pareto uh, story, that is going to help you on the repetitive tasks that are not too complicated, that ask you some brain cycles to solve, but the computer is going to give you that uh, decision faster. And after a while you say, okay, the decision is actually statistically at least as good as what I would have done. Let's do the computer automatically. That free us time to get into the complex zone and say, okay, I'm going to split it in different pieces, simpler, smaller, so you bring the problem down, or in the domain that you don't understand, and it gives you time to try to understand it and bring it back into mm -hmm. the known, and then you reapply the circle here. So that's, uh, that's one of the, um, the, the, the things that, uh, that I try to, uh, to pass as a message and, and, uh, and reset the expectations of, yeah, you may get to your dream uh, position and, and solve your dream problem, but to do that, you will have to cut it in small pieces and crunch that uh, at a smaller scale first uh, and assemble all these uh, little steps. That that makes a lot of sense, and I think that the uh, the visual learners among us will appreciate the uh, <laughs> the drawing as well. Uh, what was the biggest mistake that you've made throughout your career? Do you think? Um, a fun one. Uh, so it was uh, uh, let's say 2013 when I was looking at cryptocurrencies and other things, and I said, "Wow, Bitcoin at hundred dollars." that's really expensive. I'm not going to buy any. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that's a mistake. I was watching it um, and I just watched it uh, grow, grow, grow like crazy and bubble up. Um, so yeah, I could have maybe invested a little bit at that time when it was below the 100. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that's a mistake. Yeah, for sure. And I also wanted to touch on your recent LinkedIn post on on how how COVID nineteen is affecting the world right now, and what can AI do to really help us with that? Yeah, so I, I published uh, a few days ago. I was uh, looking at, and a colleague of mine pointed out uh, one of the Kaggle uh, challenges. So uh, I guess you are going to post that uh, into the comments uh, on the um, on the post uh, that you are going to to do with this video. Uh, so. Kaggle challenges, uh, they published a big database of uh, reports and doctors' um, uh, summaries of cases and whatever they, uh, they managed to collect uh, so far on uh, COVID-19. And they are asking about 10 questions. Can NLP answer these 10 questions about uh, the spread, about uh, the risks, about uh, the uh, incubation periods and, and so forth, uh, can we actually extract that from the unstructured data uh, that is uh, just text? So I would encourage uh, any uh, data scientists uh, that have some time right now because we are all confined, uh, confined into uh, our uh, apartments and places. Uh, if you get bored and, uh, and start to uh, to walk in circle uh, into your uh, confined spaces, uh, go on the Kaggle, download the uh, data sets and see if you can 
find some insights and common sense on uh, on this data. That's uh, that's where maybe we can help. Yeah, let's use the power of the AI community to really try and make a difference. I think that's something that that is. Uh, again, I'll post that in the comments as well. Yeah. Um, what's the best piece of advice you ever received? Uh, I would say the big rocks. Uh, I already told the story. Uh, that one uh, really helped me uh, to concentrate on on what really matters. Uh, again, back to the uh, purposeful impact that I want to to make. Uh, that's uh, that's one of them. Uh, the other things uh, I I do listen to podcasts. I have a couple of channels that I like, like. Uh, Smart Passive Incomes and um, from Pat Flynn. Uh, I'll give you the link as well. Uh, that one, it unlocked me on some of my projects where um, I was trying to do it myself. Uh, I mean, I like to code. Uh, I'm not a really good coder, but uh, I can do stuff. And uh, I was kind of pulling my hair on, on a problem and I spent let's say a year and a half trying to learn that and, and trying to, to actually do it myself. And uh, in one of the podcasts from uh, Pat Flint, uh, it was, hey, uh, delegate, outsource, uh, find uh, people that are better than you on the task that you are struggling with because you have other advantages. And uh, Maybe the fact that I like to cut problems into smaller pieces, try to uh, find uh, ways to uh, assemble it and, and use different verticals uh, is where I bring value rather than actually coding uh, the program or, or developing the application. So on one of my projects, the day I started to apply that, I, had, I did the, the project description. Uh, I knew what I wanted. And uh, in a matter of a couple of weeks, uh, I have the solution. And it really unlocked me to uh, spend the cycles when I can make a, where I can make an impact. So that's uh, uh, one of the advice that, uh, that I received through this podcast uh, that I put in practice and actually worked. What's your top working from home tip? Organize yourself. Uh, it's uh, trying to find the junction and uh, the cuts, the breaks between uh, the family life and the work. Uh, it's really easy to uh, to wake up and jump on, jump on the work um, and uh, work, 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 work. And then at 8.30 uh, or 9 p.m., the family says, hey, can you stop? Can we eat? Um, it's time to have a, a beer or something like that. Uh, and uh, that can work at the beginning, but if uh, we uh, go on the stretch, like uh, uh, it's most likely going to be announced uh, in France soon that uh, we'll be for at least six weeks uh, in that state. Uh, try to balance uh, work and life um, is really important because you end up... Uh, three or four in a small apartment. Um, not everyone has his uh, own dedicated room, uh, which means that uh, when someone is on a conference, uh, you keep the others uh, into uh, the bedroom or into the living room. Uh, 
and uh, and and trying to uh, to cope everyone's uh, expectation and needs uh, is uh, quite challenging. So uh, taking breaks, uh, taking uh, agreeing with everyone. Okay, here's my work schedule. Uh, I will be busy from such and such, and uh, I expect you not to uh, uh, bother me. Uh, so I can concentrate and then okay we say at 7 p.m. Uh, that's cut off time uh, work we put that on the side uh, let's have a beer let's have a dinner and um, and recycle next uh, next day so one day at a time hmm. is uh, is the uh, motto at the moment and what Try are you curious about? Each other. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a pretty good one. We did a podcast <laughs> yesterday where uh, there was a there was a, uh, a child in the background, but I think that's kind of got to be expected. I think you've done pretty well. It is. <laughs> so what, one of the um, uh, tips that I received from uh, from colleagues: uh, if you have a kid uh, in uh, in the house and you are uh, remote working, uh, and you have other colleagues that may not have kids and may not understand that. At the beginning of the video conference, bring the kid. Uh, it's going to do two things. Uh, first, the kid is going to get some attention. So the kid will be happy and more likely to leave you for the next 45 minutes of your uh, meeting. And also uh, maybe reset the expectations of your colleagues that you do what you can. Uh, and, uh, and you are stuck with, uh, with the small ones and they ask attention and they may not understand uh, that uh, you have something to do for, let's say, an hour on a video conference. Mm. And uh, that that can sometimes set the expectation on both sides. I think that's going to normalize as well in the near future. I think that it's, it's going to become an occurrence that we'll just have to deal with. And that's okay. You know, that's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. What are you really curious about right now? What I'm curious at the moment, uh, the project that I talked about, uh, the uh, search and rescue. Uh, this is the one I'm doing research at the moment and uh, and trying to uh, break some of these uh, technology uh, bricks uh, using hacking uh, principles and technologies and uh, and uh, associating that with other robotics and uh, and automation uh, methods. So that's the one I'm. Uh, concentrating at the moment and spending most of my time you mentioned a few throughout the podcast who is your favorite thought leader or author or influencer whether that's in the ai space or whether that's uh, you know just general business or otherwise so that i would say at the moment uh luke julia uh he's the uh, cto of samsung he's also the co-creator of siri um, I had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times. Uh, he published a book about uh, AI, which uh, has a, a nice title of uh, uh, AI Does Not Exist. And uh, I really like his approach and uh, his uh, way of thinking about uh, AI. So uh, he has influenced me on, on some of the messages that I pass in, in the company and some of the approaches that I take uh, on, on AI at the moment. So I, I, really, I really recommend his books, uh, uh, the last one about um, AI. And uh, as he, he mentioned, it's, uh, uh, it's not really uh, um, artificial intelligence, it's more augmented uh, intelligence. Uh, so if you want to discover more about it, uh, read his book. Um, it's pretty good. 
That's another good question. When you read, are you more of a, an audio kind of guy or do you, you know, do you read, do you like the hard copy to read? Audio. I'm more an mm. audio guy. Yeah, I, I'm the same. Uh, li- yeah. Listening to, uh, to books or, or podcasts while I'm running, that's uh, uh, usually the, uh, the time. So yeah, more, more audio than reading. Yeah. No, I'm exactly the same. What advice would you give for aspiring leaders in data and AI right now? Uh, be honest, stop the bullshit. Uh, it doesn't solve everything, uh, but place at the right uh, spot. It does uh, really amazing things. And my last question is going to be, what is binary as easy as, but you've just sat up so I can kind of see it now. <laughs> Did you choose that one for the podcast specifically? Because I like it. Uh, I have a couple of them. I uh, do make my t-shirts. Uh, so this is one of, uh, of the t-shirts that I, uh, I have printed. Uh, I have a couple of them like that. Um, some uh, a little bit more uh, math, mathematics and uh, puzzling. Uh, but I thought that one would be, uh, would be fun. <laughs> Do you sell them? Because the guys might be interested. <laughs> no, I don't sell them. Sell them, sign them. <laughs> Limited release. Yeah I, could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could, I could. This one has my initial on it. And uh, my son has uh, also similar ones. So we have to check the uh, oh, yeah. initials before we, uh, we put the t-shirts on. <laughs> <laughs> That I, uh, an image that will now never be scratched from my mind is you wearing a tiny t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think that's the right one. This one. Awesome. Yeah, no, that, that would have been awkward after 40, 45 minutes or so. Uh, Lauren, great to have you on the show. Uh, some really great conversations there. Uh, that was Lauren from Slimbridger who heads up the, the AI program there. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Paul. 